It is a beautiful autumn day. It's cold outside, but the sun is shining and uh, it's illuminating the almost translucent yellow and orange leaves of all the trees in my neighborhood. And I'm, I'm saying my neighborhood for the last day, actually, because tomorrow I'm going to move. A couple of volunteers are helping me to uh, transport my furniture to the new rectory. I've moved most of my other belongings there over the past couple of weeks. Every time I had to go to the new location, to the village there, I took some, some stuff with me. The painting of the walls is done, the house is clean, and I just received an email that I'm more than welcome to move over, so that is a good feeling. And I'm not really saying good, goodbye to this neighborhood, because as you know, we're going to rent my current apartment with the Tridio because we hope to expand next year. And we need some more space if we want to have more people involved. And I have good reasons to think that that is uh, very likely to happen because things are going really well. It's also uh, something that has kept me occupied for uh, most of the past few weeks is uh, preparing the the work that is ahead, that lies ahead of us in uh, in 2019, which also now involves negotiations and trying to uh, strike a good deal, um, taking new decisions when it comes to the format of my TV show and the kind of, uh, uh, let's say, the new workflow that is required to make this uh, happen and to make sure that I don't... Uh, Overwork, get overworked or uh, try to do too much by myself so it's a, very interesting times also sometimes very stressful times because a lot is currently moving and changing uh, which requires me to constantly adapt and reassess and fortunately I've learned over the years to uh, to always keep in mind that I have to find strike a good balance when it comes to the, what is new and what is changing, and what forms the foundation of, let's say, a healthy life. One of the elements that I need to stay healthy is to, uh, to stay fit. And the last time we spoke, I was uh, uh, preparing myself for the, for the Amsterdam Marathon, which I would run the day after. Now, if you follow me on social media, you've already seen that uh, I was able to complete the marathon, and more than that. I broke my previous time uh, with about 40 minutes, which is insane. I've, I've improved so much. And so all the hard work that I put in into this uh, training uh, regimen, and I, I picked a training schedule that was for advanced marathon runners. It was much more demanding than any previous training that I've done. And I was really doubtful uh, about the the results of that because I didn't feel any fitter or, or better prepared than in previous years and yet during the race it paid off tremendously and I ran much faster especially for the first half of the marathon than, uh, than I ever did before and uh, even the second half um, I was able to to uh, to run through the, the pain and to resist the temptation to slow down. 
which has always been my downfall in, in previous marathons. Uh, not really a physical problem, but a mental problem. It's like I'm hurting, uh, my body tells me to slow down, I'm going to walk, and then once you start walking, you're lost. It's really hard to get back into a, a rhythm. And so this time, I, I kind of knew that I could do it physically. There's just intellectually, I knew that I had trained so much that my body should be able to keep running until the end. And so it was only a mental question. And I tricked myself into uh, persevering by uh, constantly focusing on the finish line, on where I wanted to go, and on the promise that I made my, to myself that I wouldn't walk. And I didn't. I only walked when... Uh, when I got something to drink there are these various posts uh, that are um, divided over the entire uh, course and then then immediately I started running again and uh, the final few kilometers of course were the worst and that's where you see that my speed my pace is going down quite a bit but it was like I don't care how fast I run or how slow I run as long as I run instead of walk and I um, I, I uh, prayed a couple of rosaries which also helped strangely enough to uh, to uh, distract me almost from the pain and so it helped me to prayer helps me to get into a certain um, you know, not really a zen mode but kind of in this, this cadence this rhythm where I wasn't really focusing on the running itself or on the marathon itself, but I was in my mind and my body was doing the rest. It's a very strange experience, but um, some people call it the runner's high, although that seems to imply that it is a very pleasant feeling. Um, It's more of a uh, runner's disconnect. Lots of kids coming back from school now. This is a busy street with... uh, uh, a lot of uh, mostly bikes going in both directions from from home and to or from school to home and uh, it, it, so it's a, it's a kind of a disconnect between what's happening in, in your mind and then your body that is just doing the work the hard work and every once in a while you have to tell yourself you know, keep running keep running don't give up and I have to say the final mile was pretty amazing because you run through the streets I mean the entire course is is very uh, interesting because you start in Amsterdam, you run underneath the the Rijksmuseum which is the museum with all the Rembrandt paintings and everything and and then after a while you you are walking outside of Amsterdam alongside the river the Amstel uh, after which the city is named and then you're really on the countryside and you're, you're running along this river and it's really beautiful and then the final part is back into the city and uh, the last few hundred meters are inside the Olympic Stadium which was absolutely fantastic and to have that a feeling of, of being really an athlete <laughs> together with I don't know 50,000 other runners so I'm not that special but it did really work uh, in a positive way on on, the, on my energy level, so I was, I was able to uh, to do a sprint to the finish line, which was absolutely unthinkable uh, in, in the last few uh, marathons, where I 
arrived at the finish line completely exhausted. Now I arrived, I was tired, but I felt, you know, I made it and I, I, this, this was feasible and I'm going to do this again. So um, very, very gratifying that, to, to experience that if you put in the work, if you, are, uh, if you trust the process and the schedule and the training schedule, then you can actually do this. And, it's, it's, uh, and, and I, can, I can improve my, um, my previous times. And I, I'm pretty sure that if I continue training um, next year, if I run a marathon... I'll be able to improve this time also. And that's a, that's a cool feeling for someone who is uh, now 50 years old. <laughs> that I'm faster than I was 10 years ago. That is pretty cool. So, I'm going to uh, walk underneath the train tracks here. I smell... Mmm. Crepes. Or something fried dough. The sugary, typical... Like the, the churros, you know, they eat in, in Spain. That's the smell. That, and I think it's coming from the, 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 the fair here on the square. Let me take a look. I think this is the uh, week of entertainment here in Amersfoort. Oh, yeah, I can already see the, the lights. And there are... Thousands of bikes parked here because, of course, uh, I'm recording this when school is almost well, school is over actually, and all the kids are coming here to have a great time. Oh, yeah, I can see a haunted house or a haunted hotel, <laughs> and uh, the operator zone of the decadence. <laughs> it's about it's a lot smaller than last year. Oh, they even have a uh, ghosts so it's a bit Halloween themed it's smaller a lot smaller they're building uh, part of, of the square is, is now fenced off because they're going to uh, build another apartment building and that's the Axe Factory and the jum- the flying jumbo oh that's a whole bunch of flying elephants <laughs> we didn't rip this off from Disney no it's just elephants like flying elephants it's not a trademark at all <laughs> and here you can shoot at photos okay <laughs> I wonder what's on the photos <laughs> so um, one of my goals for 2019 is to keep that balance and actually to improve the the, the balance in my life and I'm really looking forward to the um, the ability that I'll have to separate work from from leisure time, and uh, that's that was one of the biggest challenges this for the past few years. The fact that I had the Tridio Studios and my work downstairs, and uh, and that the moment I woke, you know, it's basically you're confronted with work, and I was always tempted to keep on working even late in the evening because, well. My home, my house is is also my the space where I work. Oh, this is an old-fashioned carousel. I love this kind of music. It makes me feel like a child again. <laughs> we finished um, uh, the production of a television episode about fairy tales. Uh, it's a, it's a 
a show that I wanted to do for a long time and I've uh, filmed at many occasions and uh, we just wrapped up the the editing and I think it turned out really well what I wanted to convey is that the world of fairy tales and fantasy uh, including those fantasy fairs uh, that I sometimes uh, visit and also there's this um, kind of Disney-like fairy tale park or amusement park here in the Netherlands that's pretty famous I wanted to uh, show that fairy tales and faith have a lot in common and um, that even fantasy stories um, are very important in transmitting uh, also Christian values and to transmit uh, a certain wisdom when it comes to life and hope uh, fairy tales are, are very often about hope I mean look at the last line and they lived uh, what is it long and uh, for, for happily ever after to me that is a it, it's a translation of our desire of, of eternal life we, that we will live happily ever after and uh, so I, I was able to integrate a lot of that those thoughts in, in the documentary and at the same time stay very close to the experience of people that are partaking in these you know fantasy events and, and so I'm very proud of that episode and at the same time I'm already working on a couple of other um, TV shows a few for next year and a couple for for this year um, so I finished filming uh, an episode about the two sides of the of the of the reality of the church here in the Netherlands right now uh, on the one hand we are uh, closing down churches all over the place because our our Catholic community is shrinking very rapidly because of the uh, more secular uh, uh, society and it has its uh, impact on the church by the way it's a, a bit echoey here I'm again walking in a tunnel underneath the train tracks towards the center of the of the city that's why it's noisy so on the one hand we're closing churches because we cannot we cannot afford them anymore Um, but I also found one parish uh, that is growing and it's growing at a very rapid pace and it's growing so much that they've decided to build a new Catholic church which is which is pretty unique here in the Netherlands and so I I I was filming at the uh, closure of, of one of the churches in Utrecht so I filmed the, the the last evening, the last mass that was celebrated in that building that was more than 100 years old and then I went to film at this other parish which is in a very new city uh, where they don't have any new, new uh, don't have any old Catholic buildings anymore and the, the local Catholic community is, is currently using a Protestant church which has, a, uh, of course, uh, a lot of downsides. They have to literally hide the tabernacle and the statue of Mary. They're, they're like in a corner um, because th- right after Mass, there is a Protestant service and, well, they don't really appreciate all those Catholic elements. So we went to, uh, to the field where they are going to build this new church. It was a, it was a very fun episode to make both an episode um, that, that shows you the kind of the sadness over what we are losing in our society 
and the fact that we have to close these churches that have meant so much for the generations that uh, came together there but also the hope and this kind of in, indestructible enthusiasm and, and, and hope of Catholics that in other places when, when in some places things are dying in other places it's growing and it's, it's, it's developing again and I think that the, the message there or the lesson that I'm learning is never despair always trust that it the, 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 in the innate power of the of the gospel and of the message of Jesus and that no matter what happens that will always find a way it's kind of like Jurassic Park you know life will find a way <laughs> even though sometimes from the outside it looks like chaos and it looks like everything is crumbling down it's, it's, it's kind of futile to try to contain the crisis and and to just go counter-current, um, it's, it's much more important to trust that the Holy Spirit is guiding us and then He will find a way. So I'm waiting here for the lights to go, uh, to go green. It's very busy this afternoon. I think it's because people are going home, students are going home. They love their uh, motorcycles. Which, as a you know, bike person, I, I, I really don't appreciate because, uh, because of the fumes and the noise. Let's not forget the noise. And in my new, in my new town, in my new uh, rectory, it's very quiet and very calm. I'm looking forward to that. So the bikes now get green light, so I get to walk as well. Another episode that I'm uh, filming is uh, more noise. I, I, you know, I, <laughs> the older I get, the less I have tolerance for this kind of uh, city noise. I'm really not used to it. And I, I crave a more quiet life in a certain way. My, my inner hobbit is growing stronger. Another episode that I'm uh, filming is about uh, a soon-to-be saint, I think. It's the Blessed Father... Uh, Titus Bransma, who was uh, from the Frisian country, that's the north of the Netherlands. He was a Carmelite priest who, um, even though he had a very fragile health, um, was very strong when, when against the, the Nazis uh, in the defense of the, of the truth. And he tried to convince the newspapers in the Netherlands, Catholic newspapers, to not publish advertisements from the uh, from the Nazi party and uh, ultimately he, he managed to convince a lot of newspapers to stay strong and to uh, stand for the truth and not go uh, to go along with uh, with the uh, kind of the, the, the whole philosophy the Nazi philosophy that there are different types of people and some are superior to others to, for him that was the opposite of the gospel, and so he needed to to warn our society against the the, the threat of that, and which is still, I think, a very a very important message for our days, where it's almost as if those oppositions between various groups in society and one group, you know, regarding other groups as inferior or as a threat or a danger that needs to be eradicated, um, he preached straight from the gospel 
that is not what Catholics believe and it's not what Catholics stand for. And it ultimately cost him his life because one of the people, um, one of the journalists that he visited betrayed him and he was uh, imprisoned as a political um, uh, prisoner. And he was uh, soon deported to Dachau where he was uh, killed. What's happening? That's an ambulance. Very noisy ambulance. Is the outer city ring where there's always a lot of traffic. So I'm now uh, walking in the center of Amersfoort where it's, uh, where it, fortunately it's a pedestrian area. So it's, it's a lot more quiet. And so I've, I've filmed uh, at his, um, the place where he was born um, in, in uh, Bolsward. We visited a museum that is dedicated to him, unfortunately, because they don't have a lot of visitors. They will have to close probably very soon. Um, it's kind of also a sign of the times that we, we, we don't seem to honor the great people of the past that gave us a society or helped build the society that we currently enjoy. There's, there's very little historical um, awareness anymore. So anyway, so we filmed uh, there and then uh, just two days ago I went to a monastery in the south of the country where he worked and lived as a priest um, and I interviewed uh, one of the older uh, Carmelite fathers about his passion for the message of Titus Bransma and uh, it was a, a great conversation. It's one of these moments and it sometimes happens where I forget that I'm interviewing someone and I'm just riveted by what I hear and I want to hear more and I don't want to stop the camera and I want to keep talking for, for hours and of course I can't because I'm making a TV show that is 25 minutes only but it's, it, those moments are so uh, nourishing and makes me so happy that I can do this work ooh they're making poffridges here which is a kind of type of very small tiny pancakes they smell delicious and they're nice and warm you put some uh, melted butter on it and some uh, powdered sugar. Really, really good stuff. Especially when temperatures are going down. And, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's very... It's moments like the, those where I'm, where I'm making a program about, uh, about things that really matter, about people that really inspire me, um, remind me that that is why I do this kind of work. Um, it's not just a job that I need to do to create revenue and to... Uh, no, it's, it's all about... Uh, it's all about my, um, my vocation to spread the, uh, a, a message that transforms me and that tr transforms society. The, um, another thing that's currently happening is uh, the, the changes in the parish. As you know... Uh, we are now serving two parishes in, in a total of 15 churches that are um, very remote, at least some of them. And so in the weekends, instead of just staying in the city of Amersfoort, where I've been for, for since 2003, so for 15 years, I'm now being sent to completely new 
parish churches where I don't know the people, they don't know me. And that's, uh, it's challenging because I know what I have and, and people know me and I, I know who I'm preaching to. Um, and, and, and then all of a sudden you're in a new church where they have other habits and sometimes, uh, you know, things liturgically are uh, different and not always better than what I'm used to. So you have to adapt and you have to um, relate to that and, and, and grow in that. Nice music here on my left. And I, I've, I, it's much more of a challenge than I thought it would be to, uh, to be less present in my older, in my old parish and to have to go to these new communities. And it, in my mind, I'm constantly thinking about, you know, how, how can we improve the situation? What needs to be done? Where are we heading? And so it's, it's almost as if this new situation is like putting me on hyper alert um, and makes me much more aware of the massive, almost tsunami of changes that is still ahead of us when it comes to the situation of the church in the Netherlands. We're, we're talking about 15 churches right now in two parishes. And you just know statistically, and by just seeing who is in the church, like last Sunday, the first Mass, um, it was a very friendly community, a beautiful church, also 100 years old, um, almost 100 years old, in a part of, the, of a city where there's another Catholic church as well. And, but it's a tiny uh, <laughs> town. And I think we had about 70 people in church. And the overall age was, I would say, 75 or something like that. Like, there were no young people. No, no one. I was the youngest person in the, in, in the entire church. And, and you, you look at that, and you wonder, will this church be there a couple of years from now? This is, this is, not, very, this is not looking good. And I have that experience in more churches where I'm thinking, you know, there are no families here. There are no children. Everything is, every, everything is kind of stuck in the past. And you, you just know that this is unsustainable with, we're now three priests, but it's pretty obvious that soon, you know, uh, the, the, we have one younger priest in the parish. And I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years from now he'll be, he'll be working in another part of our diocese. This is his first uh, his first uh, parish where he works so you, ne- you never stay there for, for long which would mean that in um, a short time from now there will just be two priests for 15 churches uh, and, and the size of the parish is, is tremendous but what we're currently doing the way we have organized the parish it is, is, is based on the presence of at least 10 priests and, and, and we were able to um, uh, to get help from a number of, of, of retired priests. But th- those retired priests are also getting older and older. And there will be a moment when they, will be able, they won't be able to continue th- to serve these parish churches. And then what? So all that is going in my mind. And it's like, we need to do this. We should, we should do something. We should. And, and it creates this unrest in my heart. And, uh, and also a certain anxiety about what, what's this going to mean and, and how, how are we going to change? 
Because we, this is not going to take another 10 years. This is going to happen between now and five years. And, and I think everything will be different. <laughs> and that is scary. And it's difficult to accept and to... You know, I don't know what to think about that and how to prepare for that. And so my, a lot of that anxiety, I think, and, and, and unrest is, is also noticeable by my colleagues. And so this morning I had a talk with the pastor, of the new pastor of, of my parish, or of the both parishes. He's a priest. He's a seven years older than I am. And uh, he's from Poland. He... Um, he volunteered to work as a young priest here in the Netherlands as a, as a missionary. The other priest is also a missionary from Colombia. Um, and he's a new pastor. And we never really had a, a, a time yet uh, to, to uh, talk a little bit about, uh, about the situation in the parishes, etc. And one of the things that he told me, and I think it was, it was right on the mark, he said, I, I see what you see. Um, but I feel that I need to be patient. I, and we can't change everything right away. We can't uh, force changes that people themselves don't see yet. The only thing w- that will happen then is that you're going to, to alienate people and you're going to destroy the last, you know, the, what is still there. And it's like, we need, we need to have patience. The, I see what you see, and things are going to change. But it's, it's no use putting, uh, trying to, to change everything right now. In a few years, this will all become clear, and people will realize themselves that we can't continue like this. And, and I, was, I was struck by his... Uh, um, it's not, it's not that he's saying, you know, you're, you're worrying too much or uh, you're too stressed. Or, but there was a certain, I don't know, a certain inner peace that I saw with him and a certain wisdom that made me really th- stop and think, yeah, you know what, I think he's right. I am way too worked up about this situation and I should trust... I should trust that change is not, is not happening in the first place because we are changing things or we make change happen. But it's because we are open to a new future that God shows us. And so it's much more about listening and discerning and sometimes, oftentimes, patience rather than, you know, action and we need to do this and do that. And so we, I realized this morning that I've fallen in this age-old trap of activism. Like, oh, but things are going down. We need to do this. We need to, we need to save the ship. And now the iceberg has already hit the side of the ship. You know, we, we know that it won't stay afloat. But instead of panicking, it's much better to stay calm and make sure that everybody can get to the, uh, the lifeboats and that we will find ways to save as many <laughs> parents and children and, 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 uh, and help them to, to stay afloat rather than to try to save the, the entire Titanic. And, uh, and that panic is only creating more problems. It, it will it, hamper you from, from doing the right thing.
those, those are thoughts that I had. It suddenly dawned upon me that that's why I'm, I'm unnecessarily burdening myself with a responsibility that I don't even have. I, I, I'm not the pastor. I'm just an assistant priest. I'm not even part of the pastoral team formally. So you have to be clear about a number of things that are, that are important. But always has to be what is important is what's helping people to stay close to Jesus. Even if the Titanic is sinking. That is, that is my duty as a pastor. But it's not my duty, it's not my responsibility to find solutions for every single problem that I see and notice and, and wanting to, to correct and to steer everything. That's where very often... And he showed me actually two, uh, two um, sayings um, that really made me laugh because I was like, wow, he, he's only here for two months now and he already knows me better than I know myself. And he had two quotes about patience. One said, patience is one of the best forms of prayer. It's like, I never thought about that, like that, about patience like that. But patience can be a form of prayer. And what is prayer? It is putting your trust in, in God. It's turning towards God and let Him take charge of, of, of matters. And patience is actually... when an expression of that it is what you do when you feel like you can't control the situation you turn to god and you ask him to take charge and you have you 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 trust that he will do what god does <laughs> that is to hear our prayers and to help and to show us the future and so patience not as delaying action or something or uh, a passive attitude instead of taking responsibility you know patience is a an expression of trust in the future and trust in god and the second saying was um patience is the beginning of wisdom (laughs) that's also right on the mark it's like wisdom comes from inner peace Uh, or let's say you have to, wisdom comes from an attitude of listening, of openness. And in a certain way also perhaps a, you know, a receptiveness which requires rest and requires calmness. Whereas if you, if you switch on the attitude of the go-getter and we need to fix this and a, a fixer-upper perhaps and a, um, the action, action hero, that's when you stop listening because you think that you have to take care of things instead of letting God take, take care of things. And so that's when wisdom stops. Because you don't, need, you don't need wisdom when you think you have to do everything yourself. And so patience as the beginning of all wisdom. I thought it was a great quote. So those two quotes, perhaps the most important things that I heard this morning, that really made me think about my attitude in this situation. And it's something that I can also tr- translate to my media work. I've been pretty riled up lately about, um, you know, not having contracts for next year yet, um, being uh, in, in, the, in the crosshairs of, you know, several groups that all have their, uh, you know, plans and ideas about where things should go with the television show, etc. 
and I feel like torn, like what should I do and who should I listen to and how can I stay afloat and how can I um, safeguard my position there? And it's, it's creating a lot of unrest and a lot of stress. And I've had some sleepless nights these past few weeks. And, um, but if I, if I think about this message of you know patience is, is a form of prayer, I think that it's, I'm struggling with it, as you may be able to, to tell from the way I, I, I try to uh, put this into words, because it's also, it's, it's kind of, it's creating tension with another, another th- um, aspect of my life and also one of my talents, which is an entrepreneurial talent. I'm someone who is always thinking about possibilities. I'm not easily um, uh, giving up or, or, or just stopping and saying, well, that's a dead end and that's never going to work. You will never hear me say that. I'm always looking for, well, well, given the situation, what can we do? And I think about, I've always got plans for the future and things and... It's a bit this um, Luke Skywalker type of impatience. And it's not really... Um, it, it, it comes from this, this desire to, to do something, to contribute, to help. And perhaps this may be misplaced to save or to help save. Perhaps that's it. That's the difference, to help save. Um, the last thing I want to do is just sit back and watch while the Titanic goes down. I want to help. And, and, and so patience, when someone tells me patience, it's kind of like what Luke has with on, on Dagobah uh, when he, he realizes that his friends are in danger and Yoda wants him to stay. And, and Luke just realizes, I can't do that. I can't, you know, I have no patience. I need to go and save my friends. And he leaves. And I, you know, you can wonder, is, is that... Was that the right decision? Definitely Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and Yoda didn't agree about that. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's kind of... That was what made Luke Skywalker Luke Skywalker. And, and I don't want to get rid of this... Um, let's say this ent- entrepreneurial attitude and, and this, this you know, desire to create and to renew and to, to build up. And so for when, when it comes to my media work... I am very, um, I'm always thinking on my feet. I'm thinking, how can I be more efficient? What, can I, what else can I do? What, else, what other show can I make? How can I reach more people? How can I build up Tridio? How, just this ongoing avalanche of ideas. And I'm still struggling with, you know, discerning when to stop and when to step back and just do what I do. And wait and have patience when it comes to other things that I, that are also possible, and I think it, that's that's been an ongoing struggle in in me for many years, um, and it used to be much worse in the past. I like any idea that I had needed to be realized right away, and so I would drop one thing and move on to another without finishing much, and so that is definitely not good. And sometimes patience helps you to step back and evaluate whether an idea is just that it's just an idea to write down and to to uh put in the category of maybe someday or whether it's something that's actually an inspired idea that needs to happen and i think the probably the way to discern 
what is right and what what is needed, what is necessary, is does require some patience. And it will become clear over time. Perhaps that's just it. Perhaps it just needs time to mature. And if you follow these ideas too quickly without discerning, without praying, without taking time, without having patience, um, you may be following the, the wrong lead. And it may perhaps result in a quick win or, a, or at least to have the feeling that I, I, at least I'm doing something. But it may actually put the, God's plans in danger. Although even that is relative because, of course, I can, I can mess up God's plans, but it doesn't mean that God's plan is messed up. <laughs> he has other ways to, 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 uh, to help us. So... It's, it's, I think this, I will never solve this. This tension between the, the need for patience and time and discernment and this eagerness to just do something and make something <laughs> and try something out and see what sticks. Perhaps one of the best indicators is this unrest. If, if, I, if it makes me lose sleep, if it makes me anxious worried and perhaps even angry when things don't go the way I want them to go or think they should go, those may be indicators that I, I need to be patient. I need to take some more time. Whereas when I feel at peace and I feel happy and I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do and it's affirming in a certain way, that's perhaps the best indicator that I have made the right decision, that I'm doing the right thing. And perhaps it's better to wait with all the activism until you know that that is truly what you should do than to rush into things and risk uh, losing that balance and to risk losing that inner peace. Hmm. I think I may have figured out what to do <laughs> in, the next, in, the next, uh, in the time that lies ahead of us. It's just always check for that inner peace. And if the inner peace is not there and if... Instead, if things are causing anxiety, then I need to step back and rethink what I'm doing. This is also true when it comes to relationships, by the way. Relationships that are positive, that are, you know, to be nurtured, are relationships that give you that, that feeling that this is, this, is, this is good for both parties. This is good for me. Um, and, but you also have these toxic relationships where you feel like, well, but I should maintain these contacts and it's, you know, but it's instead of, of helping, it is, it's making it harder. And, and, and some people are, are, can claim you, can, can uh, disturb that inner peace, can get toxic. And that's uh, the moment you feel that, perhaps the moment to step back and reevaluate the need to continue that relationship. I'm thinking of certain people in my life that cause stress, um, that are um, I need to stay a little bit uh, let's say vague about, about who and what, but there are situations that I feel that are not good, are not helping. And I, th- I think that I have to be very clear 
clearer than I used to be. Also about those situations and think, you know, things may have been like this for a, for a long time and I may have tolerated a certain behavior of, pe- of people, but now it's time to change that because you can't, if, if you maintain a situation just out of fear that, um, uh, you know, that, that otherwise things are going to change and become a bit of a chaos, it's not helping anyone. And so I th- I'm thinking in, in terms of uh, when it comes to the parish, when it comes to my work, my, my, the, the, the partners, uh, the media partners with, which I'm, with whom I'm working, there, there are certain people that are currently causing a lot of unrest in me and are, where I feel like I'm not, I'm not in the, uh, on the same frequency. And it's hampering uh, what I sh- it's hampering what I'm what I feel I have to do, and so in those situations it's it's like can I find the courage to make that clear and to change that situation? Um, yeah, that's that's even more difficult than than just you know workflows and 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 choosing what to do and what not to do because this is about relationships about people. Um, and established routines, etc. And sometimes, you know, even in that situation, probably patience is the best, is the wisest thing to have. And, and things will become clear. And once they're crystal clear, then you need to act upon them, of course. But not too fast, not too quickly. I should give it some time and, and also let it go, not, not worry about it. Patience is the opposite of worrying. It means trusting that things will work out. And that's what I, whew, that's kind of my homework for the next few months. But let's first move, get into the other rectory. I think that will give me a lot of, uh, uh, of inner peace already. Just this, this, the fact that I've been waiting for a month, an extra month before I could move. Um, that, that has uh, created some tension. So I'm, I'll be glad uh, when tomorrow evening I'll be in my new rectory and I'll be able to post the first photos of my uh, of my new home, and uh, and then gradually over over time I'll try to uh, demolish some of those other stress factors and stressful relationships until we're uh, we're in a better place. <laughs> and in the meantime, of course, I'll keep you uh, informed through the through the. Uh, the podcast and social media and, uh, and etc. So uh, thanks for listening. I'm going to uh, to go back to my studio and record my weekly show, and um, and then I'm going to prepare for the move. Still got quite a bit of of junk to clean up upstairs, and I'll I'll talk later about uh, the, 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 the more of the lessons learned when it comes to you know moving, leaving things behind, change and uh, decluttering, etc., etc. But for now, uh, thanks for listening and talk to you soon. Take care and God bless.